Talk of the Thrones. Thrones. The Ringer's instant reaction show for all things Ice and Fire is back. Now as a pod. To cover the new Game of Thrones spinoff, House of the Dragon. Every Sunday night, the Ringerverse, Chris Ryan, that's me. Joanna Robinson. And I, Mallory Rubin, will be breaking down the latest episode. Sharing our thoughts on all the schemes and plots. Uh, schemes and plots are the same thing. Dragons. And incest. Hey, it's a Game of Thrones show. So boot up your favorite podcast player and head to the dragon pit. Because fire and pods will reign. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff. With real hands-on authentication experience, So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. It's Friday. It's not our usual day, but Amanda, the queen has died. Queen Elizabeth II, queen of the United Kingdom in Northern Ireland for 70 years. It was also a a different territory 70 years ago. Mm -hmm. Has passed away. And I think this is like one of the biggest global news moments of our lifetimes. Yes, and also not at all. Yeah, but, but yes, and I mean, in terms of its reach and in terms of Queen Elizabeth II being like one of the most famous people in the world and known to probably a majority of living people. Yeah. And I just want to say I specifically said news moment and not an event because I don't think that this is like on par with like some other really huge catastrophes and devastating moments. But I just feel like in terms of the attention And the sort of the moment that kind of swept my digital world yesterday, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of other things that are really comparable to it for me. And so we are here to talk about it. And by the way, of course, we'll be talking about this probably for weeks to come because as many of you may be aware from a 2017 article that was like very popular at the time and revived yesterday. Written by Sam Knight for The Guardian. For The Guardian called uh, London Bridges Down. It's the, there's, a, there's a very scripted uh, protocol for what happens for now for the next 
10 or so days. Um, the official state funeral will be on September 19th. Today is Friday, as I said. I believe tomorrow, Saturday, King Charles III will be formally... What if tomorrow weren't Saturday? Um, I, I've lost track of time. Also, we're in, or Amanda and I are in person in the studio, which is like very disconcerting for many reasons. Well, I'm glad to see you too. I'm glad to see you as well, <laughs> but it's just, well, everything is just weird. But anyway, tomorrow, King Charles III, it is not his formal coronation, but his session is formally recognized tomorrow on Saturday. So there's a lot going on. Um, some other just like news points that we'll get to. Harry and Meghan are staying at Frogmore Cottage, expected to stay at Windsor through the funeral. Will and Kate also expected to stay at Windsor, where they now live primarily. Mm -hmm. Um, Harry and Meghan share Frogmore Cottage with his cousins, Beatrice and her husband, whose name I forget. Eduardo Mapazzi something? I can't just... He's here with Eugenie, right? Yes. Eugenie and Jack. Sorry. And there's, there's like both a lot and not a lot to dig into. So, Amanda, what was your first reaction when you when you heard that the queen was under medical supervision? Well, when I heard the queen was under medical supervision, the first thing I did was text you <laughs> at 7 a.m. And, and I learned this from a live blog in the New York Times, but every news outlet had a live blog. And I was like, oh, okay, so we're, we are, and sorry to be crass, live blogging the queen's death. Yes. Which is complex. And... It's going to be interesting having this conversation, having every single conversation that we have in the weeks to come of you're talking about like a human being Mm -hmm. who was dying at the age of 96. Her health had been failing for some years. 96 is like a a long life, longer than many people get. But you don't want to be inhumane. I mean, it's it's sad when a person dies. I was sad. sad. Of course I was. I am sad. But unpacking the sadness of a human being dying with with a family and a life and and what that means to all of us and then what the the queen dying and what that represents historically media wise it's institutionally it, and and how we all consume that it's it's weird it's yeah. it's it's a lot so i was a little i was bummed you know i like that's sad it it is it, and we're going to try this is the respectful podcast, sort of. Kind of. I mean, I would like sort to be of. both respectful and honest because I was sad. And like I said, I think this is a really newsworthy moment. But there's also just like so much controversy to the queen. And if you talk to to, to the monarchy, I right. think she herself actually isn't that controversial. I think there's some people who hate her, like Chris Ryan and I were talking about the Irish response yesterday. Yes, sure. And, and how um, many people in Ireland were celebrating because the queen is basically like public enemy. She was public enemy mm-hmm. number one. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that like there's this initial sadness, but then we have been talking a lot about like what's the point of the monarchy? And I think when you think about that now, as I'm talking about King Charles III and the sort of like the more complicated conversation around the queen, like you also have to contend with like the long history of colonialism and all of the, um, you know, really like Western tilted view of history. So it's actually like really complicated. And we haven't even talked about the press coverage of Harry and William and Meghan and Kate. So like there's there's a there's a lot here, but I, I do think we can start by saying that the queen is like symbolically a, you know, she is like the totem of, I think, a really idealized part of history and based on the way that we grew up and the like the the what we were taught in school as kids she was like an element of a real sea change across the western world where the monarchy got de- was like no longer that it was like really not important 
So there were so much, um, there's a huge lurch forward in terms of civil rights, which I think, you know, we really taught a lot about. And like, because she was alive for all of these events, she is like the through line of so much of it. So I think symbolically it feels really big, even though when you unpack it, there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot more nuance to it. Yes. And we will continue to unpack all of that. And it is, it feels still so strange to be having all of these conversations for everything that you mentioned about the history of the institution. And as soon as you say she represented an institution, then you got to think about what that institution means and what it has done. Um, And also the fact that it still exists, which is like sort of preposterous. And I think as the days go on and we talk more and more about King Charles III and all of these sort of archaic uh, palace intrigue things that happen, it will feel even more and more preposterous. As far as a Queen Elizabeth's role in history and also in our minds. I mean, there's a saying like, who died and made you the Queen of England? Yeah. Which has been our entire lives because she was the Queen for 70 years. So there's just sort of a a mind state. Yeah. I mean, the long Victorian, the long Victorian century is something that is like referred to as this sort of elongated t- reign of Queen Victoria, mm-hmm. but before and after, which is also very long. She was in the, I think, 50-something years. So the, this Queen Elizabeth II was longer now. But this this is sort of like the next way to demarcate time in history. Exactly. And so her her reign, even if she herself is really problematic, the 70 years for which she was the monarch of the United Kingdom, so much happened. And The Crown, the television show, is a testament to the fact that you can view so much of history through the prism of Elizabeth's time in that role. Not necessarily like her herself. Yes. And I think it's a, it's an interesting time in the UK. I think it's a dire time in the, right now. In the in the UK, yes. Yeah. Like separate from the queen's death in terms of the um the the energy crisis and the cost yeah. of living crisis and that you know they re- they got a new prime minister on Tuesday. You know, I I'm glad you brought that up. The pictures of the queen greeting Liz Truss at Balmoral. I mean, I don't I like what what do I know about what it's like to be 96 and like what what the body can handle. But like when I saw those pictures, I was like, I did say to our colleagues, Chris and Jeff, this mm-hmm. is probably the last prime minister that she will yeah. swear in. Um, but I was like, okay, she looks like she's doing okay. I liked the outfit she was wearing. <laughs> she had a cane, which was notable, and she was in Balmoral because she was staying there because of mobility issues, and clearly her health was declining. But I guess I was a little surprised, even though we've speculated about this for a while now. You thought she looked like she 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 was doing what she wanted to do yes. until the end. She was doing her job. Mm-hmm. And we can talk more about that in a minute. But to the point about the symbolism for the UK, especially, which, you know, we're Americans. And I, th- I do think we that, are. But I FYI, in case you didn't <laughs> figure that out. And which I do think changes our view. But it has been observed in the past few days that the Queen was really sort of the very last link to World War II, mm-hmm. Britain, which, and and the UK's concept of itself after World, you know, in World War II is very different, I think, than the UK's concept of itself now. Mostly for the better, I would say. At least, I think well, it's mixed. I think it's, it's really it's mixed. mixed. I mean, it, that depends a little bit on how you uh, identify with the term world power. But, but I, I think what you're getting at is like the Blitz of London was such a formative yes. event. And she was a, a, a link to that. And mm-hmm. I I often think about, like, actually, I thought about a lot of it during COVID. Like, what was the Blitz of London like? And then, like, rebuilding the city and, and things like that. So, and even the, this speech that the Queen gave during COVID, 
quoted like a Vera Lynn World War II song, We'll Meet Again. Like yes. she, they were very explicitly continuing that link. Yeah, I mean, Keep Calm and Carry On is from World War II. Exactly. And so also like Dunkirk is World War II. Right. Like, you know, there's just, it was such a defining moment. I mean, World War One has its own history in the UK as well. But she was, as you said, like a direct link to that. And honestly, for me, and we don't really need to get too deep into this. I do think that like, given our age and the way we, we grew up, World War II was like kind of the defining event mm-hmm. that that really guided, I think, how at least Americans were taught about history for like recent history. And certainly European history. Yes, and definitely European history, which is also part of the pro- problem of empire and monarchy. It allied so much other history and also just completely ignores so much other history. But as a result, we grew up with the Queen and the like the events of World War II being foundational to our understanding of the world, at least united. Yes. And I think that's true both in like the school book, history textbooks, and also pop culturally. Yeah. Uh, the Rewatchables this week is Saving Private Ryan. And um, I love the Rewatchables, but they talk a lot about that movie came out in 1998, which was sort of the greatest generation moment here in terms of just how we learned about those events and how those events were portrayed in movies and TV, which is also a very important part of the the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, and the work that specifically Peter Morgan has done first with the Queen, which was the 2006, I believe, maybe 2007. No, I think it's 2006. I think it's 2006. um, Film starring Helen Mirren about the um, death of Princess Diana and the week after... um, her death and how one of the quote unquote crises, at least of like the the queen herself's reign. Um, and then he wrote a play about Queen Elizabeth and then obviously he's um, written The Crown, which has definitely influenced both my knowledge, but like my understanding sure, of sure. the queen. And I think pretty much the world at this point, because it's, it's a huge hit on Netflix and was like an unabashedly pro- Queen Elizabeth show, a really, really admiring, sympathetic portrait of her of a, of a person if it starts to show some of the peculiarities on the sides of monarch. And it's a it's a pro-monarchist show, but the, the thesis yeah. of that show is that she was a woman caught up, a, like, sort of, you know, like a Tom Hanks ordinary woman in extraordinary circumstances who then just gave her life to something. Sure. Now, that is just one reading, and there are many other more complicated readings of her. But I did find myself reacting a little bit yesterday as the news came in, in that way, because I'm so influenced by that show. And I think a lot of other people Absolutely. did as well. Also, the queen is a, is a lot less complicated than someone like Charles, mm-hmm. um, because she also has been queen for so long and, and such, you know, by far the majority of her life. A lot of what she did was documented, and a lot of what she did had to be, had to be carefully considered. And so I think there was a recklessness to her children and her grandchildren that she absolutely did not have. Yeah. And as a result, um, I just think that she is like an easier person to celebrate. And also she's not political. I mean, she's political in that she inherited a fucked up system and she continued to preside over it. But she's not really making a lot of decisions. So at least in the more recent era, it's like you don't need to like criticize her energy policy. So just like the queen. Right. So it's, it's you know. Yeah. She, she was a figurehead. She was like quite literally on money. Yes. She was on celebrity. And so the other thing that I was thinking a lot about yesterday um, as between the first second and the, the first statement and the second statement, mm-hmm. when I think we all knew what was coming and, you know, there were kind of. I, I have to say. Yes. So there were rumors 
for a while before mm-hmm. it was officially announced that she had died. Someone tweeted it accidentally. Okay. Um, I, it was a BBC reporter, and then they walked it back. And I think what happened was she had died, and the BBC knew, but wasn't allowed to officially right. say it. But I honestly feel like the BBC gave it away because their anchors were wearing black ties and black suits. Yes. And so, you know, though it's carefully choreographed, I feel like London Bridge has fallen protocol doesn't really account for the 24-hour news cycle and cable and cable news. And so, you know, there was a there was a period in which it wasn't official, but we all knew it was imminent. Uh at least the announcement was was. And yes. so there I think what you're like you're what you're referring to is the under medical supervision and then the kind of confirmation. Yeah. And it reminded me obviously it reminded me a bit of like the Princess Diana moment. And I think those will be compared a lot in the next weeks. But um, also of of Michael Jackson's death, mm-hmm. which to me is sort of a and and that's obviously like a very complicated and upsetting topic in its in its own way. But just in a media sense, that to me is the linchpin of like the new twenty four hour news media cycle of when uh, when things changed and how we learn about celebrity deaths and how they um, kind of spread across the the culture verse and become events on their own. And you like kind of knew that something was happening and everyone was kind of whispering to each other. And I, I was at a um, screening yesterday when the second announcement, um, the official announcement came. And so I heard like other people kind of checking their phones and talking about it. And um, the, the kind of snowballing effect Mm -hmm. basically of like oh you know something's happening and then it just like grows and grows and grows and grows and it's gonna keep going yeah I think yeah and you know we waited a beat to do this pod because I didn't really feel like I had a lot to say yesterday yeah I also feel like there's not a lot of like news um there's not a lot of like things to parse honestly there are some and we'll get into it but you know, I just think that, like, the legacy of Elizabeth is really complicated yeah. because she's both adored, but empire and monarchy are so ugly. So, you know, I, one thing that I think is, like, kind of interesting, and I was saying this in jest yesterday, but I'm just sort of like, wh- can't Charles just stay in the role that he has? Like, functionally, like, what's the difference between what Charles has been doing Mm-hmm. And what, like, when he was Prince Charles of Cornwall or whatever versus King Charles III, other than title and money, like, for him. Right. Like, he inherited the Duchy of, of Lancaster, which will bring him $20 million annually. It's basically a giant land right. portfolio. Which so was the Duchy of Cornwall, which now goes to William, William. and yeah. Kate. So, I, I, you're right. Financial transfers. I mean, the title thing, the Prince of Wales, has or also, Wales. it's like extremely complicated uh imperial and uh just and disrespectful history as well so shout out to welcome to Wrexham if you're interested in in the in welsh culture so so that's one way in which it would be different but you know i think because of the queen's advancing age and failing health in the last couple years it had more or less been in practice a regency if not in name so it's really not that different in terms of the functional governmental role that the monarch plays. Right. Which is, as you mentioned, like pretty limited. And so I think what'll be interesting is what kind of ceremonial figurehead stuff they try to transfer to a new person who's been waiting for this for 73 years. Right. Literally. Literally. (laughs) 
I, like, <laughs> I don't even know. Um, it's just sort of like, I'm just kind of like, what's the point? I don't know. Like, yeah, totally. We, we talked about this um, when Harry and Meghan left the monarchy, but like, what is the point of continuing the royal family? It seems preposterous, doesn't it? It's very hard to justify. Because also, like, by saying, like, let's end the royal family, I'm not, I'm not even saying they need to sell their land. I'm like, okay, hold on to your real estate holdings. Like, just be a private family. Because, like, I sort of just, $100 million a year, 100 million pounds per year goes to funding, from of public funds goes right. to funding the monarchy. So, like, they're having all these crises. Could he re- sure. reportion it, that money? I, I think a lot of people would point out that they probably then bring in, what, like a billion or yeah. a two billion in like tourist tourism. and, I mean, I got, and revenue. I've got a lot of trinkets that I bought in the UK. I mean, I'm just like, here we are talking about it, you know? So there is sort of, if not a government, I, I'm not arguing for it, but they, they, they serve a, a role of being the professional and like historical ambassador like face so that then the all of you know the prime minister and all of those people can actually argue right. about the governing or have parties right. in the garden it's or whatever it's smart it's like they have like institutionalized celebrity so it's yes. like it sort of like stays out of politics it's almost like if we were if, if after like the the kennedys mm-hmm. were all no longer in office we're like we're gonna continue to fund them and they'll be the face of americanness right so that you know, politicians can do their sinister shit on their own. It makes total sense until the sentence, <laughs> we're going to continue to fund them, you know? Which, like, even even everything I just said about the bank sheets and they cost this but bring in this and blah, 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 because, you know, everyone is fascinated. And, I, like, I am, like, the number one fascinated person, so I'm not talking and about I'm number it. two. Anyone who is a, a part of this. But... That it, when when you say it like that, as we continue to fund them, it sounds preposterous. And I really think that everything that is going to happen in the next weeks and then months applied to a new person, like a seventy three year old, like we're doing the quote accession council again. You know, we're doing all of this protocol. Right. No one's like, had to think about this in seventy years. Like. Queen consort is a title being applied to a new person. Like it is 2022, ladies and gentlemen. We're yeah. not living in a fairy tale. Like it's it it's preposterous. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty weird. And it is funny, like it just hasn't really been investigated in a yeah. while because there hasn't been a new monarch. And I do think uh, so much of the fascination in the Queen was that this like still existed somehow. And it was a page from a textbook, not just of 70 years ago, but like 500 years ago. And it, they were like still doing it. And it was sort of a curiosity and like an increasingly cute old lady. So you could sort of forget everything that it represented in terms of, you know, death and destruction to millions of people and be like, oh, that's, that's sort of, that's funny that they're doing this. Also, it's a play that I like to watch. Yeah, sure. Also, there is no, and I mean this like in a non-cynical way, this has become like a, a butchered word, but the queen herself as a symbol has really very little connection to multiculturalism mm-hmm. and really doesn't represent modern Britain, which is like a totally, you know, it's a, a real mel- melting yes. pot. Uh, I mean, that was obvious during Brexit when many people rebelled against that multiculturalism. So it's just really complicated. Um it's actually not. I take that back. It's not that complicated. It's really outdated, but, like, this is just the ultimate celebrity and, like, someone who's been in our consciousness literally our whole lives. Right. So. And so powerful in terms of the the celebrity investment that I... And the imagination that people can just project onto her. That I think it'll 
carry on. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's a fascinating real-time case study of our interest in other rich people. Yeah. Basically. I, I have to say another issue that I think is Which, just, I, and I'm number one on it. Yeah, so, of course. You know. That's podcast. Right. Um, I think another issue for the monarchy is Charles is supremely unlikable. Yeah. There's like many, there are many things that have come out recently, like about how, like the, the people he's entertained for getting money for his various patronages <laughs> versus, and then also, you know, um, Tina Brown wrote, as we discussed last week, extensively about his relationships with Camilla and everything, you know, about how he conducted himself um, during the di- his marriage to Diana. Like, The Crown, I fucking love Josh O'Connor and I'm going to miss him so much. The mm-hmm. Crown has not helped King Charles III. Um, and I got to tell you, season five is scheduled for November, which is, and that's going to be the 90s, which right. is when Diana and Charles split up and Charles is being played by Dominic West, like the <laughs> king of... King uh, fuckboy. Yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it. So that's that's rough timing for him. Yeah, so I just think that's like, the, the, I think the, the crown will lose some of its luster because of Charles. Maybe I'm biased because I'm not a fan, but I just think that, it's a lot harder. You, the crown the show or the crown the institution? The institution. Okay, yeah. Because I was like, I think the show is going to... Debicki, I can't wait. It's, I'm very excited. Me too. I love the crown. I'm yeah. the television show. I miss sure. it. But the crown the institution, I think, will be hurt by Charles. And honestly, like, Camilla seems like a fun friend. And, like, I love a sort of very sharp-tongued woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I'll never forget that she didn't go to one of Andrew's daughter's weddings because she had a prior commitment. <laughs> That doesn't really play that well as queen consort. Plays a lot better as, like, Camilla Parker Bowles finally in the family. Right. She is a a big reader, apparently. Or I don't know whether she's a big reader, but relative to the rest of them, it seems like she reads novels. And I learned about the Caslet Chronicles, which is a book recommendation that I give to anyone listening this far into this podcast, from a list that Camilla did. So, (laughs) you know, it could be worse, I guess. But it seems pretty ridiculous also that we're just naming queens. I, I, like, they keep being referred to as His Majesty the King and mm-hmm. Her Majesty the Queen, which I understand is sort of the protocol. Again, have watched The Crown many times and done other recreational reading. That's so silly. Doesn't everyone feel silly? I'm kind of enjoying saying King Car- Charles III. Also, I think it's really funny. He, he could have changed his name. He clearly couldn't have, but like right. monarchs can change their names. Charles I and Charles II are um, from the 1600s. Yeah, not auspicious. <laughs> they both were deposed. I believe one was beheaded. Um, they were from, like, the Oliver Cromwell times. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a pretty bad kingly name. Yeah, um, it's a tough break. Yeah, it's really, like, I. this is, like, my AP European history coming into play. But, like, it went James, James, Charles, Charles, James, and then the Glorious Revolution. And so, like... The Charleses don't have a great track record, so... You gotta think when they named him... They didn't think he'd be king? They well, no, the, no, they knew he would be king, yeah. but it was still when people the people were changing their names. So, like, Elizabeth's father, who's the Jared Harris in The Crown, his regular name was Bertie and yeah. then he, uh, or Albert, and he took another name. And he she t- took King George, right? Yes, I think the sixth. Yeah, the sixth. And she... Just was Elizabeth. Right. Um, I actually, I don't know the circumstances beyond that choice, beyond what was portrayed in The Crown, which is that she was young and flummoxed. Right. Um, Wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And then 70 years went by. So that's how we do, they do it now. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not the history that you want. It would have been been really funny if he was like, I'm going to be King Henry the (laughs) Ninth. 
That'd be hilarious because, as you probably know, King Henry VIII was divorced, much yeah. like Charles, King yeah. Charles III. So I feel like that would have been more fitting. Yeah. But whatever, just some historical jokes. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear are so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Let's talk a little bit about the press coverage. I was mostly reading the Guardian mm-hmm. uh, live blog and the New York Times checking in here and there. A lot was made about what time Prince Harry arrived yesterday and left today. And similarly, a lot was made about Meghan not traveling with him to Scotland, whereas Kate was just like, Kate, strong upper, upper lip as she brings the children to school in Windsor. Right. And I got to say, I I don't find this funny. I don't find it manipulative. I'm just like sick of it. Like, this yeah. is so stupid. I personally think that anyone who arrived in Scotland yesterday to allegedly be at the Queen, be at the Queen when she died, w- arrived after the Queen had passed away. And I don't want to be like counting minutes here or whatever. I sure. also think it's irrelevant. But the implication that Harry got there too late while everyone else was on time is absolutely outrageous. Well, I did read into it the fact, and I think some of the coverage was meaning to point out, which is, again, like petty and ridiculous, but that William traveled with Andrew. Great, great associations. Good thinking, everybody. Um, And then Edward and and his wife, Sophie. Yeah. Yeah. And then... And so it was sort of like the family caravan and and then Harry on the side. Right. And then I think Charles and Camilla arrived separately and Anne had already been there. Right. So, yeah, Harry arrived separately. He was in Aberdeenshire. He or like he was doing some 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 tour than he and Meghan were on. Like, I just think that like I I I don't know about Charles, 
But I am pretty, I feel pretty certain based on how all the news came out and like the mistake tweet and everything that it seemed like it. Most people were not with her when she died and, or it, like and that it happened fairly suddenly yes. according to because I believe they said she, she had peacefully in her sleep I think well I believe that she canceled a meeting Tuesday night yeah and then things sort of devolved, devolved. from there um sadly yeah I I don't really know I we don't know but the, I just think this implication that like Harry is a bad family member because he arrives so late is outrageous yes also would you rather arrive solo and late or driving your your Uncle Andrew, who is I mean, a sex offender criminal. Yeah. No, that's Sorry, like I mean, a very tough break. Tough break. I I think that it to me, I was just like, oh, you're not a member of the family still. Like they're right. all still really pissed at you, yeah. which you know that's tough. And then you're right that the newspapers um, hate Harry and Meghan and are vile to them and made a big to do of it. Yeah. So then the other thing, so, okay, he gets there late. Fine. Let's say that's true. He left early this morning. He left separately Mm -hmm. and they noted he left first. They being like the Daily Mail. I think the Guardian didn't really care about this. (laughs) He's no longer a working royal, right? So if any of this transportation, I don't, this is conjecture, but if any of this transportation is being funded by the monarchy, perhaps he can't be a part of it. Like, I, I just feel like there's, I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure there's awkward family tensions, right? But I also think there's probably some other stuff at play, too. And also, I'm just sort of like, this logistical stuff does not move the needle for me because we actually know so much about what's going on because, right. because Harry and Meghan have been talking about it, including Meghan alluding to some of it on her podcast, Archetypes, which is a Spotify exclusive, so you can check it out. So Mariah Carey is a wonderful podcast guest. Mariah Carey's honestly incredible. She's I, so, so fantastic. I think I would listen to like a live stream of her thoughts. I honestly, that was amazing. Episode two, check out Mariah Carey. I've thought a lot about how she's talking about her childhood and um, and she's talking about growing up in a racist community. And then she says the f- sentence, no offense to anyone on Long Island who isn't racist. I know. <laughs> really the th- good. The thought of Mariah Carey just like living on Long Island is also so incomprehensible. I'm just like, you did? I love her. Me too. Anyway. I just find, and then, you know. Yeah, let me tell you, it's not been fair and it's not going to get any better. No, it's so unfair though. Like the, Kate just like getting, you know, first of all, Kate was wearing a brown polka dot dress, which I really liked. And obviously evokes Julia Roberts Roberts in Pretty Pretty Woman. Woman. So that's just laying, that's just out there for you people. If you really wanted to make some jokes and you chose not to, which I support, you shouldn't. It's just a nice dress. But like, you know, you can just, you can write the headline yourself if Megan were wearing that dress. And anyway, I just I just was like, this is really not the time. I was just like, Daily Mail piped down, but shame on me for reading it. But uh, honestly, I only checked to like see what was up. I was just like, we right. should know for the purpose mean, of this you know, And that's the other that's the other issue is that there's not a lot to cover right now. Yeah. Um, and some might argue there's not a lot to cover in general, yeah. but certainly in the day, the day afterwards, it's like, well she's died and then people are just moving around and so it's just like basically people are watching like airplane flights and I think literally like a hundred over a hundred thousand people in the UK were just like tracking Charles's flight from yeah. Scotland to London which yeah. and he's back in London now folks I I mean I guess if that's your passion well I follow a uh, Twitter account that tracks Russian oligarch jets so okay. I, I can't criticize yeah fair enough I it's it's all preposterous and I gotta tell you it's going to get wilder. I know. It's going to get more ridiculous as they try to do, like, they're they're going to have a coronation, you know, for for King Charles 
the third. I I think um, I might start referring to him as King Henry the Ninth, just for fun. Okay, that's great. I mean, that'll definitely be confusing, and it's also not good for <laughs> SEO. So please, <laughs> in our podcast title, let's stick with King Charles the Third. But I like a bit. Last night, um, after after dinner, I just zoned out and watched BBC World for an hour. I caught, I would say, the the coveted like two to five a.m. UK time slot. So I watched someone. Um, interviewing people outside Buckingham Palace, like 2.30 a.m., and they were literally reporting on the dimensions of the size of the poster that they put out uh, announcing the Queen's death. I don't know. Sometimes you got to zone out. You do reality TV. I just no, did, I did I get this. It. And looked at uh, Uniglo options on my phone. But then they started rolling the historical packages, which, you know, it was They're fine. Moving. moving. And it's also just a lot of footage that you haven't seen um, or that I hadn't seen, and I've consumed a lot of footage of this in my life as well. So it's it's cool to see, but they showed a lot of the Queen's coronation, which I believe is in 1953. Yeah, it was. And, you know, it's from the 50s and everyone is wearing like ermine and giant crowns. And it's, you know, they're just very, it feels medieval almost, or it's like certainly of another time. They're going to try to do this again? The same ceremony? Like, I know. Again, it is 2022. I know. I I will say, here are some of my kinder thoughts. Okay. I think having to publicly grieve so many times must be really hard. I, of course. I really feel for Harry and Will and Charles, too, though I think it's a little different with him uh, in that regard. And I feel like not being able to have any privacy to experience real emotion must really suck. So I kind of, I feel for everyone in that regard. No, I think it must be bewildering also to have all of this life change and things going on in public, but also that so much happens as the result of your mother dying, no matter how complicated your relationship with your mother was. Right. Very strange. Right, yeah. I just feel like that's bizarre. And then here's the other thing. Everyone at Windsor, well, not Charles and and Queen Consort Camilla, maybe this could be a time of healing. I really hope it is. It's beautiful. I really, honestly, I really hope it is. In, you know, I, um... I, I, both of my grandmothers have died while I was alive. Um, and so my family is like sat Shiva and like some of my happiest family memories, like extended family is like while sitting Shiva. So like maybe that's actually a a lovely point. And, um, my same for my grandmother actually. And, and my husband got to meet family members that, you know, he had never met and like like, we all bonded. It's so I, I see what you're saying. It was a real sadness of COVID for people who lost relatives who couldn't like mourn together. So like maybe this actually could be good for them. Which leads me to my next thought, which is not that kind, but it's just like, this is the content I want. Like, I hope someone is documenting everything inside the family for the next 10 days. They will. Don't worry. And I'm ready. Me too. I, I mean, we just spent like a long time talking about how we should be above it. And monarch- monarchy is like well, a hugely historically uh, difficult uh, subject, all of which is very true. And this is also kind of my soap opera. So yeah, like as but sorry, like, it is as subjects of the television show The Crown. Like mm-hmm. this is this is like what I want. The, yeah, you know, ten, the ten days after. Yeah, Peter Morgan make a season seven and eight. Just do it. Come on, nothing's stopping you now. What? It's true. Also, it, I bet uh, Harry's memoir will now be dated. Did you notice it was taken off the the schedule? No, it was supposed to be published this fall, and then it was undated. And I suspect that. Oh, interesting. Some some timing issues have been resolved for them now. Oh, wow. Which huh. is gross. Well, Sorry. I also wonder what revisions will go into it now. Sure. Um, but that's interesting. Uh, Tina Brown hasn't spoken on this topic yet. I, I'm waiting, but I also like that she's taking her time. I do, too. She will not be 
She will not be enthralled to the, the content churn. Right. Um, but looking forward to that. Uh, we will continue to discuss this. I'm sure we'll hit it on Monday in our regular jam session slot. Thank you so much to our producer, Carlos. And we'll be back next week. Have a great weekend. And um, we're sad. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.